0: Take your Bibles tonight. Could you go to Mark chapter 7? I wish I could kind of tell you some of the events this week. God just sort of confirmed this was the direction that He wanted me to go, although I wasn't necessarily all gung-ho about it right away. Um, But um, God made Himself clear through the week and I want to tonight just share with you a thought. Um, if, if I can provoke your thinking tonight, if you go home just sort of hmm meditating and, and, and pondering these specific applications in your life, if you're talking with your spouse or your kids or someone in the foyer about it, then I know that that's, uh, it's, it was successful. I just want to spur your thinking from God's word tonight regarding uh, an issue that, um, say, for the last couple of months to the last year, God has really taught me, brought me to a place where I understand, I, I feel like, anyway, understand how to uh, formulate standards in my life. And I want to title the message, Standards, a Cautionary Tale?, and I know even saying that word elicits a little bit of a reaction, all right, depending on where you're at, like, uh-oh, what, what's he going to say? What was he going to talk about tonight? Um, nothing really in specific, but more so, how do we order our lives according to God's Word? You know, the, the, the Word of God, the, the Bible, is such an incredible book. And we know that as, as God's people. We 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 say that at times. We amen that. Yes, I believe that. But there are times in, in practice where we we don't actually follow through with that spoken truth. That the Bible does speak to every single area of life. There is direction here, there's guidance here, there's help here as we walk with God. It's it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. But the, the, the key is how we take God's truth in our walk with God and how we make personal application to our lives. And then as we look out upon others, we see that, you know what, there are times in which someone else's standard doesn't necessarily match mine or the way I would do things is different than the way another person but do, how do I handle those things? And so I hope to just very carefully and patiently go through and, and present some thoughts here from Mark chapter 7. Uh, we'll be in the Gospel of Mark and an encounter that Jesus had with the Pharisees, which I was quite surprised and spending some time really meditating on this passage, how many different truths came out regarding this issue. But the Gospel of Mark chapter 7 and verse number 1, the Bible says, "...then came together unto him." The Pharisees and certain of the scribes, which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of His disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold, as washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, asked Jesus, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God... Ye hold the tradition of man, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It's Corbin, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Father, would you help me tonight? Lord, I need your help this evening. Lord, I need to say only those things that you want me to say. Lord, this is a, a sensitive topic. And Lord, we need to understand... Uh, biblically, where, where you want us to think, where you want us to be. I pray that we would come with submitted hearts, open, willing, ready to even be corrected by God's word, to be, to be maybe even strengthened by God's word and in the path that we have chosen to take. May, may you just perform your perfect will in each and every heart tonight. We need you tonight. Would you, would you give us wisdom as we look into your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Now, based upon what we read in the Gospels, it's easy to kind of write off the Pharisees as, you know, the villains of the New Testament. Which, to be honest, they kind of are the villains of the New Testament. Uh, but, But we can be guilty of kind of writing them off. And that's not to diminish or in any way whitewash the awful things that the Pharisees and the scribes what they did in rejecting Jesus Christ and really being responsible for His conviction. They were the ones uh, uh, um, arousing the crowd. They were the ones uh, trying to pull on the levers of power to get rid of Jesus who was a threat to them. So I don't mean to in any way diminish what they did. However, we realize that the Pharisees were men. They were people just like us, and really people who were zealous and and religious people on top of it. They had so much truth. They had God's Word, the Old Testament, at their fingertips. They had all of that, and yet they got so far off from where God wanted them to be. And if we simply paint them as the bad guys, we're going to get robbed of the opportunity to take a look inward and realize some difficult tendencies that each of us has. We can learn something here. In Mark 7, we see a conflict. A conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. And this conflict was regarding a specific set of standards that the Pharisees held. And because they looked across the aisle. They they came, and in this case, they came to investigate Jesus, this Galilean preacher, and they had sent a couple of other bands before them. But now uh, this group came, and they were there to evaluate whether or not this preacher was truly someone they approved of or not. And immediately they saw something. They saw a discrepancy in the standards that they held compared to the standards that the disciples specifically practiced. And if we can understand and grasp the error of the Pharisees in this area, we can find help to avoid the same error in our lives. So I just want to spur your thinking a little bit tonight, and let's walk through uh, this issue and this, this passage. And first of all, I want to consider and think about tonight an obligation regarding standards. There is an obligation that you and I have if we belong to the Lord, if we're saved, if Christ is indeed our Savior, He is our Lord, then there is an obligation that we have regarding this area of standards. Now, in the Bible, there are clear, specific commands from God. There are clear instances. We're not going to look at a bunch of them tonight, but there are clear times where God says, this is what you are to do. This is what you are not to do. Those are clear, and they are specific. There are specific areas, and that command specifically applies to that instance specifically. I keep saying that word, specifically because when it comes to those commands, there there should be no argument on what to do with them, right? They're clear. It is what it is. God said what he said. There's no quibbling. There's no quarreling. There's no trying to get out of it. They're clear commands. We do what God tells us to do. That's why he gave us his word. God knows best, and our lives will be Our our lives will be benefited, like we heard about this morning, walking according to the wisdom of God. We will receive the benefit from that. But that's actually kind of the the smaller portion, if we could put it percentage-wise, in what we read in the Bible. More of the Bible is, is made up not just of clear commands, but of precious principles. Principles are timeless pieces of truth. And they're timeless because they apply in every age, in every generation, every stage of life. And here's the wonderful thing. The principles that we find in God's word speak to every area of life. No matter where you are and what circumstances you might find yourself in. No matter what job you work, what's your your family dynamic, what's your religious background, how you were raised, how old you are. Uh, um, uh, what career you're in. I mean, we go on and on and on. God's principles apply to every area of life. That means when I come to God's word, no matter where I am, I can find his wisdom to help in my, in my life. There's beauty and there's wisdom in these principles. And because they're laid out in, that, in, in the fashion of a principle, they are just as relevant today as when they were written. They still speak, they're still powerful today, just like they were when they were spoken, when they were written, when they were recorded. These principles involve areas like dress and music and entertainment, employment, marriage, and on and on we could go. But in order to practice the principles... In order to incorporate the principles we find in Scripture, in order to incorporate what God says, we're going to have to do something. In order to incorporate those things, we must establish standards. It's our obligation. This is our obligation regarding standards. In order to protect God's principles, we have to set up some clear boundaries surrounding those principles in order to make sure that we are not violating the principles that God has given us. And it's funny, when we talk about this issue, some people talk about people who have standards, people who don't have standards. Everybody has standards. It's a question of where they're set and why they're set there. As Christians, we have an obligation to set up some standards. And what I mean by a standard is a specific plan or a specific guideline on how we're going to live out those particular principles. And even when we come to God's commands, there are need for specific standards regarding those principles. Let let me take, uh, here's an example, okay? The Bible commands children to honor their father and their mother. That's a command of God. In order to fulfill that command, you're going to have to, as young people, as children set up some standards as, is, as in your life, for you, what is honoring and what is not honoring. Now thankfully, God in the New Testament made it pretty clear in case you were, were trying to wiggle out of it in any way. He just says, children, obey your parents. That's a specific that kind of elevates itself now to a very clear command. All right, But obedience is only one portion of honor. There's more to it than just that. And so a standard might be a specific line that you draw. I like the The idea of of a fence, necessarily. a, A place that you say, right here, just to keep myself safe, just to keep myself from violating God's principles, this is where I'm going to draw my line. And this is important because without standards, we are going to violate those principles, whether knowingly or even unknowingly. And the reason for that is that we as Christians have enemies, our three enemies that the Bible talks to us, the, the world, our flesh, and the devil. And those three enemies never rest. I wish my flesh rested sometimes. But they never rest. They're constantly trying, I was going to say pull us away from God's principles, or in, 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 our, in our word picture that we're setting up, they're constantly trying to, to push us into violating God's principles. That pressure is always there. And we have to acknowledge that that is the pressure. That is where things tend to go. That is the pressure of the world, the world system that's all around, around us that tells us there are particular ways we should live and, and ways we shouldn't live in order to fulfill our own lusts. There is the, uh, uh, the enemy of our flesh that's, that, that, that's pushing us and pulling us and, and trying to get us away from God's principles. And then, of course, our enemy, the devil, He just wants to wreak havoc and destruction in our lives. And the best way to do that is if we violate God's principles. And so that pressure is always there. And so we need, you need, I need, very clear standards. Something that we can define as an individual. Something that I know this is my standard. I know when I violate it. I know when when I am abiding by it. I can define it. And we need those standards so that we won't violate God's principles. Without them, we will, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Now, we have to be purposeful and intentional in setting these up to guide us to live by God's principles. Now, there's two essential ingredients. These are not the only ingredients, but these are the two essential ones. There are two essential ingredients of a standard that is godly, a godly standard. Number one the first ingredient is a clear knowledge and understanding of God's principles regarding a particular subject. Do I understand what God says regarding a particular subject? You say, what, what, what do I do if I don't know? Well, God has given you resources. He's given spiritual leaders in your life that you know, they, they, they have wisdom, they, they spent time in, in God's Word, and you can ask them, can you, can you give me an idea, what does God have to say about this particular issue? So, in order to set up godly standards, we need a clear understanding of God's principles on that particular subject. Personal preferences are not a proper replacement for God's principles. Likes and dislikes are not a proper replacement for God's principles. We need to know everything that God has to say. Sometimes what God has to say, there's, there's not a lot. There's just a little. Sometimes there's a whole lot more than we even uh, are, are led to believe or what, what, what our impressions are. There's a whole lot more. And when we dig a little bit, whoa, there's, God says a whole lot more about this than I thought. So personal preferences are not a replacement for God's principles. Neither are the what everyone else is doing. Now that can be positive and it can be negative. We can look at, around in the world and say, see, well, there's other people who are Christians and they, they can kind of you know, do whatever, so that means it must be okay. Or we have people who come in here and say, well, look, it looks like everyone else is doing this, so I'm just going to do it to kind of blend in because I don't want to be the weird one. I don't want to be the one everyone's looking at and of course, we kind of, that's a little overblown in our minds a little bit, but we just, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, blend in so I don't stand out. That, that's not a proper replacement for what does God have to say? Do I know what God says? And am I using what God says to set up proper standards in my life? That's not a replacement for it. We need this ingredient. We need a, a clear knowledge An understanding of God's principles regarding a particular subject. And then we also need the second ingredient is a vibrant personal relationship with God. A walk with God where we're actively seeking daily where personal standards should be based upon what God says, what God reveals to us in his word, and even based upon particular weaknesses of our flesh. Let me let me kind of give you a, a, little bit of a dumb area. I mean, this is, uh, but it's a it's one of those little things we we have to have standards in every area. We all have one of these, right? I have one of these. I have learned something about myself and a weakness. All right, I had for a time, and this was my my phone was my alarm clock. There was just a simple problem. When the alarm goes off, there's the phone. Roll over, turn it off. And there's a whole lot of things that are there that can take my time. And maybe it's just me. You probably do not have this problem. But all of a sudden, there's 30 minutes. Maybe not that bad. There's 15 minutes. I know that God's principles in my life of redeeming the time, putting God's first. I know I want to be in, in, in God's Word. I don't want to give tension to, to God in the morning. And I found... The more that I do that, not only the more time do I I waste and I don't have as much to read God's Word, but my attention is not on God's Word the way it needed to be. So I set up a standard in my life. My standard is, and again, this is just based on the weakness of my flesh and how God has has led me in my walk and relationship with Him. My phone cannot be in the room where I sleep. It just can't happen. Put it somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying that you need to do that. I'm just saying that there are some principles that are in God's Word. I was trying to live those out. God led me. God convicted me and said, you know what, right here. This is not... You should really do something about this. And if we're, if we're surrendered to God, He can lead us in that area. So the second ingredient is a, vi- a vibrant personal relationship with God. Where I'm setting my particular standards... And I am open to God guiding and directing my standards based upon what He says, based even upon the weakness of my flesh. This is wisdom, by the way. We talked about wisdom this morning. Wisdom is knowing God's truth, but it's not just knowledge, and it's not just understanding, it's how does God's truth specifically apply to me. We could say wisdom is the ability to create and erect proper standards to govern our our lives. Now, let's get back to our our text here. In the Old Testament, there were clear commands about this issue of cleanliness, ceremonial cleanliness. God gave some principles and God gave some commands on those particular areas. We don't have time to dig into all of that. But suffice it to say, These principles spoke to God's holiness. They spoke to God's purity. They spoke to man's uncleanness and and our separation from God. We are unclean. God is, is clean. In order to honor these principles, over time, specific standards were needed in individual lives for how they were going to live out those commands and those principles. Now, the book of Mark is written to Gentiles. And thankfully, we're Gentiles, all right? So Mark... He, he goes to some great pains to explain to us a little bit, like, what are you talking about? What were they doing? And in verse 3 and 4, he explains it a little bit to us. This was a trend, not only of the Pharisees, but also of the Jews. It wasn't just a Pharisee thing, but uh, the majority of Jewish society, this is how they practice. It says, except they wash their hands off, they don't eat, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be, which they have To receive to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. They set up some specific standards in order so that they would not violate the principle of ceremonial cleanliness. They would not violate God's laws in those areas. Now, we can get a little confused at this and we say, Boy, my mom always told me to wash my hands. What's wrong with the disciples? Well, this is not a human cleanliness issue. Germ theory was many hundreds of years later. Okay, so there was no thought of anything like that. This was just, this is what you do in order so that you can remain clean before God. Now, were these standards that the Pharisees set up, were they wrong? Well, in many areas, they were not wrong. Jesus said on a couple of occasions, one of them being Matthew chapter 23, he said, All therefore that they, the Pharisees, all that they bid you observe, that observe and do. Their principles were not necessarily, or their, sorry, their standards, sorry, were not necessarily wrong. However, there was something that was wrong. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So they, they set up these specific standards. And the standards themselves were not necessarily wrong. They were were not in the wrong place. And so this leads, in verse number 5, to an objection regarding standards. It says, Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? There's an objection here. It says specifically that they found fault. And... The reason why they found fault, there's a progression. I thought this is very interesting. We talked about a standard, and standards are those things that we we set up to protect God's principles. We don't violate God's principles. Um, They're based on our walk with God as God is leading us in, in particular areas, maybe even areas of weakness of ourselves. And we understand that you know, those standards they are going to differ slightly from other people that are around us based on our walk with God, where we, where we are in our walk with God, as well as our own personal weaknesses. So standards are kind of the beginning, the starting place. And here we see that the, the Jews and the Pharisees had set up some standards. But you notice that those standards had become something else by the time you get to verse number 5. Standards became, look at the word that's there, Why not walk thy disciples according to the tradition? Standards became tradition. They had traditions regarding tithing and Sabbath-keeping, and in this case, cleanliness. Now, does that mean those traditions are wrong? We need to be very careful here. No, it doesn't. In fact, traditions can be helpful in us gleaning wisdom from past generations. There is a sense a little bit today that we are so much smarter and so much more advanced than any generation that, there, that there's ever been. And so, you know, we've, we've got it figured out. So the, those idiots back then, they didn't know what they were doing. We know what we're doing. There is a sense, a cultural trend, we could call it. And that has even seeped into uh, religious circles as well. So they can be helpful. And, you know, you remember the proverbial phrase, before you take, tear down a fence, first take time to understand why that fence was put there in the first place. But then it goes a step further. So standards become traditions, which by the way, they can be wrong. They can be they can violate what the Bible has to say. We'll talk about that in just a second. But standards became traditions. Traditions became, in verse seven, the way Jesus describes them, it says, Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The standards became traditions, which became commandments of men. And Jesus is saying what they're doing is they're teaching for doctrine. The word doctrine is clear teaching of God's word. They're taking the clear teaching of God's word and they are equating it with their own standards, with their commandments of men. And they're saying these things are the same. We are elevating what we have said. We're elevating the standards we have set and we're putting them on the same exact plane that's what the Word of God says. Okay, now we've got some trouble. Now we're in a dangerous place. And that leads us, we, that's the progression of their standards. Think about the problem of their standards. Verse 2, it says, And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashed hands, they found fault. They saw a discrepancy of standard, And they chose to respond to it in a particular way. Their response of choice was to find fault. Think about what they were doing. They're measuring, they're judging Jesus and the disciples by their standards, by their traditions, instead of measuring and understanding and judging Jesus by what the Word of God has to say what the Word of God said. Had they evaluated Jesus and His disciples based upon what the Word of God said, they would have recognized and understood who Jesus was. They would have searched the Scriptures, and they are they which testify of me, Jesus said. They would have saw Jesus for who He was. But instead, they used their standards, they they used their tradition as a measuring stick to judge everyone that didn't do things the way that they did things. Now, is this, think about this, I'll get that in just a second, but this led them as the Pharisees to use their standards, which, why were their standards set up in the first place? Their standards were set in that way for the purpose of worshiping God. So they used their standards, which were set up for the purpose of worshiping God, as the very rationale for rejecting God. Okay, that's, wow, okay. How do we get here? Is this just a particular problem of the Pharisees, or is this a human tendency? I think it's a human tendency. Because the commandments of men are very easy to define. Especially when we're the ones creating them, right? They're very easy to define. They don't take as much work as continually going back and studying the Scriptures to see what God says, and then making clear, but then continuing to go back to our anchor point. The scriptures are the anchor point, all right, where we set our standards. We need to continually go back there. Commandments of men are easy to define. Often they can be a place of comfort for us, whether one way or the other. Whether it is, I think it's okay to do this, it becomes a place of comfort. Or, I don't think it's okay to do that, it can become a place of comfort for us. So it's easy to define. And it's much easier for us to judge others based upon our particular standards, based upon the way we do things, it's easier to do that than to go back to God's Word and evaluate based upon principle. The disciples struggled with this. The Pharisees definitely struggle with this. It's also much easier because it can, this is not always the case, but it can be a way that we Relieve ourselves of the responsibility of examining our own hearts and motives. We measure ourselves based upon our standards, and then we say, well, I'm living up to my standard. Therefore, everything is okay. The Pharisees looked at themselves, and they measured themselves by their standard, and they say, well, this is rightness. What do you know? I'm right. <laughs> That's kind of convenient, right? Right. Um, and in doing so, they blinded themselves to the very sin that was in their own hearts. They relieved themselves of the obligation of looking to our heart, examining our heart, and making sure that our heart is right with Him. We're going to talk about the importance of the heart in just a little bit. So this was a problem. Immediately, they find fault. Think about then, the, we talked about the progression of, the, of their standards, the problem of their standards. Does God give us any sort of plan regarding differences of standards? Are there any biblical direction regarding those things? There actually is. Go to Romans chapter 14. And honestly, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen this in this way until this week. And it just sort of jumped out at me and like I just never really made the connection. But look at Romans 14 and verse 3. What we find here is a conflict of standards. We, we find two different groups of people. And Romans 14 is very clear that one group is not wrong, and one group is not right. All right, It's pretty clear that there's no difference, and that's the point that Paul is making. You see that uh, point in, uh, let's see, verse number 6, verse 5 as well. But there's just a disagreement. One, one group of people said, you know what, we're not going to eat a particular thing. Another group said, you know what, we don't see a problem with that, we are. There was one group of people that said, we're going to set aside, aside," in many of these cases they were Jewish people, we're going to observe many of the Old Testament feasts and stuff um, because we think that's right, and there were groups of people who said, we don't think you need to do all of these different uh, days and feasts, that's not required, and so there's a disagreement about those things. Look in verse, well, you can set the context a little bit, verse 2, for one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Verse 3, listen to this instruction. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Think about what he's saying. On one side, we have the people who don't eat. They say, you know what? We don't think that's right. We've drawn a line. We've set up a standard in our lives. And eating what you're eating, eating those things, probably in this case, it's going to be either specific um, uh, dietary items that were off limits in the, in, the, in the Jewish system or they were meats that could have somehow been associated with idol worship. One of those two things. The passage is actually not very clear on that. So it could be it's, it's either of those two things. He said, so there's someone who says, I've, I've set up this standard and I'm not going to do that. And because they've set up that standard, there is a tendency to despise that individual that, I'm sorry, let him that eateth, who doesn't have those standards, let, him despi- let not him despise him that eateth not. There is a tendency to look at someone who has a higher standard than you and do the teenage eye roll. Oh, please, give me a break. Who do they think they are? An attitude problem. That's what the word despise means. It, it, it means to kind of, Brush aside, minimize, not give attention to. We see someone with a standard that we don't hold and we just, what's wrong with them? I mean, if they were, if they really knew what the Bible really said, they wouldn't be doing those. They wouldn't be setting those impossible standards. Paul says, hey, you need to be careful about that. Let him or let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. That's on the one side. And then he flips to the other side. And he says let not him which eateth or let him uh, not which eateth not judge him that eateth. So on the other side you have someone with a higher standard who says you know what I don't think God wants me to eat those things and those people are the, over there they're doing that and what's my tendency? Mm. Tisk tisk tisk. Look now my long pointy nose and judge. And actually the passage is it seems to more harp on that point, the point of judging. And uh, you can read that chapter. We don't have time to do so. So the eaters despised and the non eaters judged. This is the problem that we can fall into too easily when it comes to our standards. And you know what's interesting? The attitude between both of those pitfalls, both of those tendencies, is the same it's pride. It's pride. And this is what we have to... This is the cautionary tale regarding standards. That, that we ought to, We're going to fall. You're going to tend one way or the other. All right? And, and it's a good thing to kind of, you know, ask God, which way, which, which side am I most likely on? Am I on the, uh, the, the, the eaters despising, like, oh, please, those people with higher standards, or am I on the other side looking down and saying, you know what, they're probably not even right with God, or at least not as right with God as I am, and judging that's the plan. And this is what the Pharisees completely missed. It just, it just blew right over their heads. But here's the key, and this is where I want to get to tonight, the, the omission regarding standards. We saw the obligation and the objection that they bring. But really the key is in the standards that the Pharisees set, there was something missing, something critically important that was missing, Jesus put it this way in Matthew 23. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. And notice how he concludes. He says, These things ought ye to have done. It's not that the standards were wrong, but there was something missing. These things ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. There was something missing. And that omission caused their hearts to drift away from God. And back in our text in Mark chapter 6, it caused them, their worship, in verse 7, their worship to be vain. To be meaningless. To be empty. It caused them to be close to God in the words that they were saying, but in the reality, their hearts were far from Him. They were missing something. What were they missing? Well, this is interesting. Going through the passage, notice what Jesus says in verse 8. It says, For laying aside the commandment of God. They laid aside the commandment. And the way that we do this, we get involved in whether, one side, whether despising someone because they have a higher standard or judging somebody because they have a lower standard based upon our standard. That takes my attention away from what God actually says and my attention is on what I say, what my standard is. And it leads us to lay aside the commandment. And we're, we, be, we argue over the particular standard and we drift away quickly from what does God say. And the argument is not about what does God say. The argument becomes what so-and-so says or what some preacher says somewhere. And we, we drifted away from, no, we, we, now we have to get back to what does the Bible say? And are we actually doing due diligence to understand all that the Bible says? Or are we quick to kind of take on straw man arguments because we heard somebody say them sometime and throw them out there because we don't understand all the principles that are at play? We haven't done the homework. We haven't sought the Lord through his word. Then that leads to verse number nine. He says, full well, ye reject the commandment of God. This is a new level. So when we're despising those who have standards that are are, uh, higher than ours or judging those that have standards that are lower than ours and we're focusing on the standard in one particular area and that's our measure, it can lead to an absolute violation in another area because we're not paying attention. Our focus is in the wrong place. And we have an example of this in the text the Pharisees had set up some standards regarding what's called Corban, or gifts to God. And their standards were, you can, you can give particular items, you can give land, you can give uh, um, uh, quantities of wealth, you can devote it to God, and you use that word, which is a Hebrew word, it's transliterated here, um, and it's Corban, use that word, you just say, that is Corban. Well, there was also an obligation, and we still have this obligation, by the way, for us to honor our father and mother, and a particular application of honoring them is caring for them, specifically when they're not able to care for themselves, uh, You know, and and, and, uh, particularly towards the end of life, it's your responsibility, it's my responsibility to give the same care that my parents gave to me, for me to give to them, to honor them. But because of their particular standards with this area of Corbin, the, the, the parents could have a need, and you could have the quantity to meet that need, but you could say, oh, that's Corbin, that's a gift to God. So therefore, I can't use it to help you. Sorry. And the Pharisees backed that up. They said, that is right. That meets our standard. They assured the son that he was doing what was right and following their standards about giving gifts to God. All the while, what was really happening was a blatant violation of God's law in another area. And Jesus says that that's actually an area that's more important. Honoring father and mother. If my eyes are constantly looking to the standard versus to the principle of God's Word, it can actually lead me to reject commandments in other areas because I'm not looking to the principles to receive guidance in every area. I've just got my hobby horse, would be a phrase that we might use. I've just got this pet peeve issue. And it can lead me to be completely blindsided by the devil in a a, a different area. Full well you reject the commandment. And here's another impact, another omission. Look in verse 13, and this one's probably even, for me, the more haunting one. Because this is what they were doing. Because they were so fixated on their standards, and they had forgotten God's principles, what those standards were supposed to be anchored in, because they did that, verse 13, they made the word of God of none effect. I need the impact and the effect of God's Word in my life. I need God's guidance. I need God's direction. And the power of God's principles is that they apply in every single area of life, at every age, in every situation, in every circumstance. Focusing on my, my plan, my, my standard of how I'm going to do things, Focusing on that instead of God's principles can, can disconnect me from those principles which I need, I desperately need in my life. And all of a sudden I'm operating on my own opinions, my own standards, and I'm drifting away from the help that I need. And there are areas in which we say, well, you know what, I don't have a particular standard in that area, so whatever, it's fine. And we've disconnected ourselves from the principle, the help that we need, and now we're just drifting. And we don't experience the full impact, the full effect of God's Word. This is, this is the danger. When we talk about particular standards, yes, there are some times in which we, ha- we have to get specific in our own lives. They have to be quick and easy to define. And in the life of a church, we have to set up some rules, we call them that way, some, some rules, um, because there has to be some uniformity, there has to be some consistency, but if all we do is argue about the particular rules, while not continually going back to the principles, we don't teach our young people that, okay, that's just a the thing they do at church, I don't understand it, we don't teach them to go back to God's Word and say, what does God's Word say, and how does it specifically apply and then we would just wind up in this in these weird positions. And it's kind of head scratching. I kind of scratched my head, you know. There's there is a uh, there's a movement of there was, I don't know if there still is, you know, a, a group of Baptist uh, churches that they held the standard that if you were going to preach and you were going to be a spiritual man in the church, you are not going to have any sort of facial hair. Because it's wrong. Where did that come from? And we could just say, idiots, you know, they don't know what they're talking. Didn't, you, didn't Jesus have a beard, you know? But wait a minute, there's a reason why they got there. You just go back and you understand, oh, there was a period of time, I mean, let me just be clear, I wasn't alive for this. There was a period of time called the 70s and the hippies. And they were about, you know what, throw off all authority, throw off God, throw off God's word, throw off any limits. We do what we want, we do what we feel like. It's peace, love, happiness. Here's a little marijuana to smoke book. Just, just have a great time. And you know what? You know what was associated with them. And I only know because I've seen it in the movies, right? Um, there was a certain look that was associated with that. And there were some godly people who said, you know what? We're supposed to avoid the appearance of evil. And so, you know what, we, we got to be careful in this area to not be identified With that sort, because we're not saying that about God's word, and so they set up some particular standards. The problem was the focus became on this is our standard, without going back to God's word. Are there hippies anymore? Like, is that association there? Not really. I mean, the world's moved on. You see what I mean? When we when we are not going back to the scriptures, we find ourselves in these untenable situations, and it doesn't even make any sense. The Bible has wisdom for us. The Bible has guidance for us as to how we are to live our lives. We need it. I have got to be anchored in what God says in my walk with Him. I need that. If I disconnect with myself from that, I'm going to have all sorts of problems, all sorts of issues. So when it comes to setting standards for our lives, let me give you these things and we'll be done. Just provoking your thought a little bit tonight. How should we Set our standard. Well, there's a couple of themes that we see in this passage. The first theme that we see is Jesus' emphasis on the heart. This people honoreth me with their lips, verse six says, but their heart is far from me. Tonight God wants your heart. He wants your submission in every moment, every day, everything. He is the Lord, He is the Master. He has the right to tell you how how you ought to live and how you should not live. And it is the heart, if our heart's in the right place, we'll be seeking His will in everything. And the standards that we set up will be motivated by our love for God and nothing more. That will be our heart cry. That will be our pursuit and we'll be constantly seeking God as far as what areas, do you, what, what lines do you want me to, to set up? What standards do you want me to erect? And we'll be tender and sensitive to Him in those areas. And if we don't do that, we'll be like what Jesus describes in verse 6, where He calls the Pharisees the hypocrites. And our worship becomes nothingness. It's vain, it's just a show, it's just a game. When people come in from the outside and they see how we do things, the last thing I want them to think is, wow, this is some sort of game that they're all playing. Everybody's sort of doing their thing, playing their role. No. God changed my heart. And I am after his, or at least I ought to be, when I'm in the right place spiritually, I'm pursuing after his heart. God, what do you want? I want to do what you want me to do. So Jesus emphasizes the heart and that's where it begins. He also emphasizes the word of God. In his rebuke, Jesus constantly goes back to God's word. Isaiah said, Moses said, the commandments, the word of God. He's continually going back to what does the Bible say? Our standards should be rooted in God's word, not in our preferences, not in the opinions of man, although we can glean some if we if we're searching out of a right heart, we can glean principles from other people. We can go to the spiritual leaders and say in our lives and say, Can you help me? Here's some principles that I've found. Are there any more? Am I missing anything? And we, we can do our due diligence of going to God's word, but our standards should be rooted in God's word. We should examine what do the principles say, not just here's where I've chosen to draw my line. Now, we ought to do that. We already talked about the obligation. But our standards should be rooted in God's word, not our preferences or the opinions of man. So tonight, the question for us to consider is, have I really taken the time and the effort to seek out God's principles in every area? And particularly, I'm not just saying, you know, every single area, but, you know, the areas that where you live, The areas of your Christian walk that you're involved in, like, you know, how you're going to dress, what you're going to listen to. There's even principles, for those of you who are single, principles about how you ought to pursue after getting married. And those principles, you better set up some standards so you don't swerve right into violating God's clear principles. And you say, how did I get here? Well, I'll tell you how you got there. You didn't set up any protections, You didn't erect any fences. Oh, maybe you had your parents' fences and you just kind of was like, as long as they're watching, I'll make sure I honor their fences. You didn't set up any. And guess what? Swerve right into violating them. It's no surprise. That's what happens. That's why we need standards. We need to consistently go and learn, okay, what are the principles that I need to know regarding my life? Being sensitive to God in that area. And then constantly evaluating our standards to make sure they're truly anchored in God's Word. Why do I do the things that I'm doing? I think Paul kind of summarized this in Ephesians chapter 6 where he just said we ought to do the will of God. That's the emphasis on God's Word. The will of God. Where do we find God's will? Right here. We do the will of God from the heart. That's how we set... Proper standards. Go back to the principles. Evaluate what does God say. And then with a heart of surrender and submission, you say, God, what kind of standards do you want me to set up? And then when it comes to other people, take the direction that Romans gives. And there's actually more. If you want to go go and read Romans 14, take those directions and say, you know what? I'm not just going to blow off somebody who has a different standard than mine and just say, oh, they're probably... They're, they're, they're probably stuck on themselves. They're, they're probably trying to earn their salvation. Are you sure about that? Are you sure they don't understand some principles that you've kind of passed over and you haven't thought about? Don't despise them. And then for those who look and say, well, so and so, they're not living the way I want them, don't judge them. That's not your place. Every man's going to stand before God and give an account, Romans 14 talks about. Leave that to God. They're God's servants. And they're going to, and that's a cautionary tale for all of us. Whatever standards we set, whatever standards I set, one day I'm going to stand before God, and God's going to say, "Just wondering, um, how did you come to that place?" That's kind of a convicting thought, right? What kind of, uh, what was the rationale between for making that choice, that decision? And I don't know about you, but just, well, that's what I liked or that's what I, you know, that's what everyone else is doing. Uh, some, somehow that seems very, very shallow and won't stand up very well. One day we're going to have to answer to the Lord for where we decide to put those things. So cautionary tale, when it comes to principles and standards, let's make sure that our heart's in the right place. And we're continually going back to the anchor of God's word. What do God's principles have to say? And if that's our heart, God does have some tremendous, amazing, helpful guidance for our lives. To give us the help that we desperately need. So that we walk according to the way that God wants us to walk. Hope this has been a help to you. Hope this has provoked your thinking tonight.